0: I'm excited about this morning. You know, we're in the middle of summer, and is it hot or is it what? It's like part of my yard um, doesn't get the water. It's like the sprinkler says, uh, I'm just going to skip this area. So they promised me, yeah, it would all cover everything. And I was thinking about that this week, and, and it doesn't quite get there, or it just gets there in just a little bit. And at first you didn't notice, you know, like in the spring we're all good, you know, because, you know, of course we didn't have a very rainy spring here, but it was it was okay, and then after after the summer starts to come and we get these, you know, heat index days of 100 plus, day after day after day after day, then, uh, uh, and, and the, for some reason this year the, the rain is a, a little bit less, and all of a sudden I just saw a little bit of yellow and it started to grow and, grow and grow and grow and grow, and even some places that get a little bit of the water, just a little bit of the water, uh, they, they're... They're really struggling. And I thought about this that week, and I said, you know what? We need to have the constant flow of God's Word in our life, His living water in our life, because that's what keeps us refreshed. And if, like Lisa was saying, we say, oh, that's really good. It, it rained. And I said, yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, it rained, but that's not going to change that. It's got to rain and rain and rain, or I got to fix the sprinklers. You see, uh, and sometimes we're just hoping on the, the, the rain coming instead of fixing... The sprinklers to make sure it gets to the, the area. You know what I'm talking about. I just didn't, too many metaphors just float by you there. It said the point is we need to be constantly just covered in God's presence and God's love and God's word, and that word ministers to us. And I really believe this morning God's word has is uh, a special word for each one of us uh, to help us understand what God is trying to do. I'm going to continue talking about uh, the, the, what's been on my heart, I just can't get away from it, about understanding God's pace in our life. How do we live in God's trust? How do we live in God's peace? How do we live believing in what He's doing in our life? How, how do we do that? And, and I want to start with the fact that I love leftovers. I love leftovers. I... I, I Especially because usually when they're leftovers, what we keep in their leftovers is their leftovers because it's something good. We, uh, we cooked a brisket the other day and we smoked it, and there was leftovers for a while on that, and everybody would just cut it. it, was just, it was, I did eat just the brisket. Water, brisket. That's all I need. Meat and water, and, I, and I'm good. And uh, I love it mainly because it's good food, right? Usually leftovers is good food because how many know when it's not good, you don't have leftovers? like oh no that's all gone <laughs> there's, there's no leftovers in there and so we uh but I love left- leftovers because it's good but secondly because I do most of the cooking or help in in the house uh then uh that's okay it's all good it's what we are she sits down and does all the finances and I'm just good with that when she's up there for four hours paying all of our bills but when we uh when the nice thing about that is when we do i say okay leftover day i just to call it because i could do that how many know what i'm talking about come on this is leftover day so the leftover day is fine uh, because everyone just does what they want get leftovers or everybody we, we call it every man for themselves but the point is i don't have to cook <laughs> so there's so i i love leftovers but leftovers are a funny thing some people aren't very crazy with leftovers. So some people in my family, I won't say who, Jared, doesn't really like leftovers, can't really, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't really go for, for leftovers. But I want to talk to you this morning about God's leftovers for you. And you think, well, that's not that's not much, it's leftovers, one of the leftovers. But listen to what I'm saying. Jesus took a, a small boy's lunch, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he passed it out and fed thousands. That's incredible in and of itself. That's the miracle. God cared about the people. He cared that they were hungry, and he fed them. But there's something so much more to that that it's easy to miss what God is really saying to us. You know, he doesn't just feed us. He doesn't just take care of us. He does so much more. John six twelve. I love this. He fed the, the uh, thousand, and then Jesus said, this is crazy. This is the Son of God who works miracles said, gather up all the leftover pieces so that nothing will be lost. And you first think, uh, what was that about? Is this just a frugal Jesus? Is this what we're talking about? Is this like an OCD Jesus to make sure uh, we don't want to waste anything? We want to make sure that we, we have it all. So you go out there and pick up every single, is that what it was about? What I, okay, you know the commercial, don't worry, we'll make more? That's Jesus it's not like, oh, man, I already did my feeding uh, miracle, so I'm good for, I'm tapped out for seven days. You know, next week, you know, I can do it. It's not like he, there was a limit on him. So why was he focused on the leftovers? Why was he telling the people, hey, look at, and the disciples, go out there and gather basketfuls because there's abundance out there that you're not even aware of. And this is the point. And if we're going to talk about God's pace for our life and how we're living and being yoked to him and how we're moving, we need to understand about God's abundance and what he loves to do and what he can do. He's reminding us that he has given us and he has made an abundance, abundance of of leftovers, of so much more than was needed. He created what? Jesus is not very good at numbers. You think Jesus just can't count? He looked out there and said, okay, I need a miracle, okay, this much, uh, I don't know if I got the number right, and so I, he did a little bit more, no, 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 he had a point he was trying to make, he wanted them to understand, I feed you until you're full, until nobody in a crowd of 20 some thousand was hungry, everybody ate everything, and how many know there's always some people that can eat more, come on, <laughs> you know, you know, you Um, Okay, better stop there. I'm going to get in trouble. But there's there's always someone who can eat more, but they were full. They had all the fish. They had all the bread. No more. They were full. And Jesus said to his disciples, go out there and get the leftovers and gather all the leftovers up and bring them in. Do you realize in Jesus' day at that time, a very common superstition was that demons dwell in leftovers? It was it was widely accepted. Demons dwell in leftovers. And so, you know, if there's if there's a leftover or something like that, they thought, oh, you know, they now I've seen I've opened my refrigerator door that I'm pretty sure there were demons in some of those leftovers. <laughs> you know, the green little things molding, growing and things like that. Just kidding. But there was there was something in their psyche that said leftovers aren't good. There was something in their culture and who they were that just thought leftovers aren't really something that we want we want something and jesus is saying no 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 you're missing the point you see i think people live with a false theology that says that god only gives us a little bit god only give me what i need through this day god only give me just as little bit <laughs> because you know if he gives me something more then i won't want him i won't be satisfied Or I won't hunger for him. So he only gives us a little bit each day, a little bit each day. He doesn't want to give us too much. He doesn't want to bless us too much. He doesn't want us living too big or too great. He only gives us a a leftover. And that's wrong. Because I'll tell you what the theology that God has. God has a theology that specializes in leftovers. (laughs) He specializes in abundance. Beyond what we need, and you can see it over and over and over, and I can just overwhelm you for the rest of the service. And it shared scriptures where God says abundantly, overflowing. I'm going to pour it out. Open the windows to heaven. I'm. I. I. God loves leftovers. He loves abundance. That it's so much more. So this morning I want to talk about living God's pace. That pace we've been talking about. Going to finalize this message. And I'm going to challenge you in a way that you may not have thought of about God's pace for your life, living God's pace of abundant leftovers, living God's pace, living your life with abundant leftovers that God has for you. And I might, you might be in a place of scarcity right now. You might be in a place of little. You might be in a place of, oh, I don't have much. I, I, I don't know if I could, if I could do much <laughs> Or I don't know if I could do that. Or I don't know if I can give that much in my time and my efforts or whatever it is. You see, God's pace is not a pace of starvation. It is not a pace of minimal. It's a pace of overflowing. And we miss that somehow. And we think, oh, no, Greg, I'm in God's pace. And I'm doing God's pace. If I'm living with minimal, I, 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 I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really doing anything. And I believe with all my heart you can change that, that your belief actually changes your overflow, the abundance in your life, how you're living, the decisions that you're making affects that. And you think, whoa, 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 okay, Greg, for the last two weeks, you've been teaching that we have to be yoked with Christ and we can't go too fast and he'll slow us down or you go too slow. You know, when he's speeding up, we got to go Christ's pace. And I'm just in Christ's pace. <laughs> really? I told you we're going to go a little deeper this morning. Because God has a pace. We are yoked with Christ, and we are in his pace. But there's something you need to understand. You think, how can I affect the pace? God sets it. God sets a pace. I don't have, I don't have anything to do with that pace. If he says go, I go. If he says stop, I stop. If he says slow, I slow. Oh, I see. But I believe that there's something we need to understand about changing the pace. And you think, wow, oh, that's crazy. How can I change the pace? How can I grow faster? Or, or how, can, how can I sit, do that pace? And how can I understand what God is trying to do? Matthew 9, verse 29. I want you to, I want you to see this. This is crazy. Jesus goes up to two blind men, and he heals them. Miracle! Everyone's shouting, miracle, we all like miracles, it's great. So Jesus healed them. And then he said something that probably stunned everybody around there. Because you see, at this day and age, if you had a, a physical problem, if you had something that handicapped that held you back or something like that, it was because you did something wrong. <laughs> there was some sin, if it wasn't in your life, it was in your parents' life, but it's just now getting up to you. And sometimes we wear what we think is a generational curse that is just a lie of the enemy. I just, I just, that is not true. God has set us free and God has broken all those chains. But for whatever the reason, this is what people thought. And so when they saw that Jesus healed them, that's incredible. But then he says this, he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done. According to your faith, Your faith has opened up and changed the pace of your life. What? (laughs) Wait, it was there. Now, we're okay with we do something wrong, and therefore God slows us down. But we're not so crazy about what Are you saying I can go faster? I can grow more? I can see an abundance. I can see change in my life, my finance, my family. I can do all that by my faith? (laughs) That's hard to believe. It's, it's, It's hard to even imagine that. Of course, when we get into this and Jesus wants us to understand, it's so much more. Jesus said, with faith, nothing is impossible. Just, just, just in case you're starting to put limits and thinking, no, no, okay, but that pace, so that's too vast. That That's not possible. Jesus said, nothing, 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 nothing is impossible with faith. If we're willing, willing to believe. Of course, many of you guys know I've been on, I'm on this health journey. Which means I just can't eat. So it's, it's, God's doing good. I'm, I'm, I'm helping, you know, because I, I, everything's tied in, I believe, to our spiritual life. And so I'm just thinking, you know, be disciplined in what I'm doing. But one of the things I've learned about losing weight is if I'm going to lose weight, I have to not be completely full at the meal that I do eat. I need to say, OK, could I eat more? How many says yes? Come on, can I eat more? Yes, I can. Like I'm dreaming about it right about no, stop. Have a hold of that thought. Take it captive. Anyway, so you know, you know, you know this, right? is it but I need a I need to stop. And so this is what I've learned. If I'm gonna lose, I need to be okay with less. And some of us are losing in our spiritual life. And some of these other areas of our families, our relationships, our finances. Come on, come on, come on. Listen to what I'm saying. Because we've just come to the point where you can live with less. It's the same principle. It's the same thing. I'll just live with less here. I'll do less. I'll give less. I'll be less. I'll just, boom, put in. I'll just put in less. Whatever it is, we have come to this understanding of less. And that was always a losing proposition. You will lose. You will lose the pace that I believe God can have for you. You see, it's not just belief. I believe. We have to believe. Faith is not just belief. Faith is belief that moves. Faith that acts. Faith that is action. Faith is saying, I believe, so therefore I am. (laughs) Come on. Did you just hear what I said? (laughs) I believe, and so I'm going to believe and and take these steps because God has abundance for me, God has a faster pace for me, God has more for me if I'm willing to open my heart and my mind. Matthew 21 verse 21. Jesus said, "If you have faith and do not doubt, it'll be done." Now, the key to that right Maybe you've heard that before. The key to that is Jesus did not say, if you have faith, it'll be done. He didn't say that. Sometimes that's all we read. That's all we read. If I have faith, it'll be done. If I have faith, it'll be done. No, 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 no. If I have faith and do not doubt, it'll be done. You see, what we need to understand is that doubt actually cancels faith. Wow, that's crazy. But... You say, I believe, I believe, but then you, we, we have faith, and then we have doubt right alongside of it, and the doubt actually cancels. In fact, it seems to be, through Scripture, a really clear indication is that if you have doubt, it doesn't take much doubt, that there is no faith at all. In fact, Jesus, many times, didn't, did not only say, hey, you have little faith. He said, why did you doubt? You put that doubt in there, and poof, there goes the faith. Crazy. And... To think that something like that can work. And you think, how, how do I grab that? How do I understand that? Let me give you a, a picture. Faith is the accelerator. Faith, is, you push down on faith, and you're going to go. Come on, you're, you're ready to move faster? You're ready to see some God do some things? You're ready to live in some greater abundance than you're doing? Are you, are you in a starvation mode, and you need to change that? It's time to put the faith accelerator down. Okay? Well, then, if that's true, guess what the break is? Break is doubt. I don't know if God wants to give that to me. <laughs> I don't know if God wants to heal that. <laughs> I don't. That's a break, in case you didn't know that. was. I don't know. And all of a sudden you put on the brake. You put on the brake. You put on the brake. Let me give you even a crazier picture. My son has an EV, has his electric car, you know. He has a cool one. It's not one of those white, ugly ones. Oh, so, just kidding. Is a Ford Mustang, and uh, it, although it doesn't look like a Mustang. It's not a Mustang. They call it a Mustang because they could sell it, but it's not a Mustang. Anyway, it's a nice EV, and he has this little thing. I've I discovered EVs. <laughs> They're just batteries and buttons. That's it. There's nothing else to them, batteries and buttons. You have a battery, and you have buttons. So with his buttons, he could touch a couple buttons and change the way the brake and the accelerator works so that when you give it the gas... I'm sorry. When you give it the battery, is that not a different world we live in? When you give it the battery, when you give it the juice, when you give it that power, it goes. But he can set it where you don't have to hardly use the brake. But he can set it where when you let up on the gas, you're actually braking. You're actually employing the brake. And I think that is a better picture for us. Greg, I'm not pushing that brake. I don't have my foot near that brake. I am. No, no, but you're letting up on the faith. You're letting up just a little bit. You're letting up. You're just thinking, oh, I don't know. God can't do that. That's going to be too much. That's too much to expect. I can't believe for that kind of abundance, and we're just letting up a little bit, letting up a little bit, and we we'll and you're actually breaking, and you're slowing down. You see, I believe God has a pace for us, but he, the pace he goes is the, the pace that we're willing to let him go whoa instead of saying you know what god i believe i believe because jesus said it over and over according to your faith as it is by your faith as you believe as you do not doubt then you can accelerate you might say i want god's abundance in my life i want that leftovers that just overflow overflow how can i how can i do that let me give you two stories of leftovers it's not the two stories in the new testament (laughs) One of them is. There's two leftover stories in the New Testament. But the foundation of all of this goes all the way back to Elisha in the Old Testament. He was a prophet, right? He was a man of God. A man comes to Elisha in 2 Kings, I think it's chapter 4. He comes and he's bringing an offering for Elisha. It's just enough for Elisha. Come on, you know what I'm saying? It's just enough. It's just this much. It's not a whole bunch. And he gets there, and Elisha looks around and says, Man, the people are hungry. Give it to the people. And his first response said, That is not enough. It is not enough. <laughs> it's good to know that the doubt was just the same whether it was the Old Testament or New Testament. Come on. <laughs> it's not enough. How, how can this little bit feed all these people? And he said, He said, put it in God's hand. God will do it. God will bless it. And there will not only be fed. They will be not only fed, but there will be leftovers abundantly. God's always been about leftovers. God's always been about abundance. God's always been about so much more. Here's the thought. Good enough is the enemy of God's great leftovers. Good enough. That's good enough. That's that's all I have, so that's good enough. Bad is not the enemy of great. Bad is not the enemy of great in your life. It's not the bad things that happen in your life. Those are obstacles that God has given you power to overcome, to defeat. It's not bad. Bad is not the enemy of great. Good enough is the enemy of great. Good enough is the enemy of leftovers, the abundance and leftovers that God's trying to do. It's just good enough. Let me go a little bit further in 2 Kings chapter 13. (laughs) The enemy the enemy was surrounding the king of Israel, and and God, uh, the prophet, comes to him, Elisha, a very much older prophet, by the way, in this time, he comes to him, and he says, God's going to bring deliverance, and let me just read it to you, he he tells the king, get your bow and arrow, shoot, and he shot. (laughs) sometimes God says, come on, you got to shoot, you got to shoot, shoot, and he shot, then the Lord's Uh, the Lord's arrow of victory. You will completely destroy them. Take the arrows that you have, the rest of the arrows that he didn't shoot, and strike the ground three times. And he struck the ground three times and stopped. And then Elisha got really angry. What? You ever feel like you've done everything God asked you to and then he gets angry? What's that? What is with that? How does that work? But you've got to get the picture here because what happened is he's a king. Kings are used to being kingly. (laughs) They're in control. Everyone honors them. Everyone uh, lifts them up. And so to strike the ground means that the king would have to bow down, actually probably get on his knee. Everyone else is standing, and the king is bowing. That's not done. You don't do that the king is supposed to be above everyone else. The king is supposed to be honored. The king, and he said, you take the arrows and in your hand and strike the ground. And I think there was enthusiasm at first. I think he took the ground. Yes, there's going to be a victory. And the second one, maybe not quite as hard, but still there. Yes, there's going to be a victory. And maybe before the third one, he's looking around going, okay, do I look stupid or what? <laughs> you know, am I silly? I'm striking the ground with arrows in my hand. It's not even a bow and an arrow. I'm not even shooting. At least shooting was, was kingly, you know. I'm striking the ground, so maybe in the third one he just said, uh, yeah, give me the victory. And because of his pride, because of his hesitance to go completely but, and to do everything that God wanted him to do. Elisha said, You will only get a partial victory. You're only going... Because you see, the king decided that three times was good enough. That's good enough. I mean, come on. Why does God want me to strike the ground 40 times? How many times have I said this prayer? Uh Uh-oh. How many times have I asked God for this? How many times have I believed God for this and there's nothing happening? It's enough. It's good enough. And we settle for good enough. And that good enough is all of a sudden not enough. Because all of a sudden we're... Finding ourselves that the complete victory that God had, okay, you got to get this. Elisha said, "I would have given God would have given you a complete victory. You would have totally wiped out the enemy. Now you're only going to partially wipe wipe them out." So the pace that God had for the king and for Israel was much greater than they were actually willing to go. And the pace that God has for you, and the things that God wants to do in your life is so much greater if you're willing to be there and to believe and to trust in what God couldn't do. Amen. He couldn't believe for abundance. He just could. Three was all he could handle. And, and he, couldn't, he couldn't believe anymore. And the enemy lies to us and does the same thing. He says, that's all you get. That's all God's going to do. That's all that's going to happen in your life. God, there's not going to be any more. There's not going to be any more blessing in your family, in your life, in your work. and your That's it. Yeah, that's, that's the best you can do. That's, that's all it is. It's going to be good enough. He tells you it's good enough. He tells you, and all of a sudden we begin to believe the lie. Philippians 3:14, such a great verse. I press on. I press, I continue. I keep striking the ground when I don't see anything when everyone's laughing at me, when it seems like it's hopeless, when it seems like it's not making any difference, I keep trusting and believing and hitting and hitting and striking the ground because there's a goal in front of me. There's a faster peace in front of me. There's something greater in front of me. There's an abundance. There's leftovers that God wants to put in my life if I'm willing to do that. The king was not and did not. Are you? Are you? You willing to believe for more are you willing to believe you see don't let the pace be something you settle for believe for something more let me tell you a, a second story it's a story of leftovers jesus actually worked two in the new testament but in this story jesus created incredible abundance And what happened is a young boy had the right heart and did something and came to to Andrew. (laughs) And Andrew brought the lunch to Jesus, although not with much faith. But at least he did something. At least he brought it to Jesus. You see, I think sometimes we feel like, oh, I got the faith. But we do nothing. We change nothing. The pace is still the same. It's all there because we're locked in. We think that's all that can happen and that's all. it's, It's not enough. This little bit of food's not enough. The boy had incredible faith. I think it was all of the boy's faith. The boy says, here, you want food? You want to feed these? Here's my lunch. <laughs> Are you serious? And Peter, I mean, Andrew said, oh, man, okay. But at least he brought it to Jesus and said, okay, maybe you can do this. They acted. They did something. And Jesus took it and he multiplied it. And there were, there were basketfuls and basketfuls after everyone ate. Everything at the buffet—it was all there. They and they couldn't eat another bite. And what is this telling us? Your good intentions are the break for God's great leftovers. Sometimes it's not just good enough; it's good intentions. I—I—I I, I, I meant well. I, you know, I tried to do that. Wishing for abundance isn't what makes it happen. Wishing for abundance doesn't make it act. James teaches us that. There's so many scriptures I can go to to think about, okay, Greg, how do I increase my pace? How can I believe for something so much more and not just accept this is what it is and this is what's going to go and believe that God has so much more for me? How can I do that? James 1.2, 1.22. Prove yourself. (laughs) Just another way of act, do something, trust God, believe, do something, put something in action, prove yourself doers of the word, and not just hearers, not just people with good intentions. We live in a world of good intentions. We live in a world that says, well, I meant well. I meant to do it. And All that does is leave us halfway there. All that does is leave us empty. See, James goes on and says, it's like looking in a mirror and seeing your face and leaving and immediately thought wait what did i look like (laughs) you know we call that spiritual dementia and i think as christians so often we're walking around with spiritual dementia we look in the mirror to see what christ is supposed to look like like us that's the way christ lives okay i see christ in me i receive christ christ says live this way act this way behave this way trust this and all of a sudden we go on our way and we forget everything about living in christ (laughs) We, forgot, we forget about living that way. You've seen the movie, Forty First Dates, you know? Has this B actor in it? I don't remember. But anyway, that was just wrong. But, but it, has, uh, it was about a young woman who had an accident. so for, She couldn't remember anything from present, only in the past. So this guy comes and wants to date her, and they have this date, and then she promptly forgets the date the next. And you know what? The whole movie was about him saying, that's not good enough. That's not what I want. That's not okay, because we want to grow. But I feel like we have spiritual tendencies in us that just to go through this forty-first date syndrome. <laughs> I gave my life to Christ. I'm good. <laughs> I said, "God forgive me. I'll get to heaven. I'm good." And you forget everything about what Christ is trying to do in your life. See. Good intentions mean you never grow in God. You're okay. You give your life but good intentions mean you never really grow. What's the difference between good intentions or intentions and abundance that God has for us? I'll tell you what the difference is. Good intentions never leave anything behind. Huh. What does that mean? Good intentions never leave anything behind. I was driving home the other day, and it was raining, one of those rare days, just real lightly, and there was water that would hit my windshield, and I would turn off the windshield wipers because it wasn't much. And I was intrigued as I drove. Fortunately, I didn't have a wreck. Because the water that was the drop of water that was on my windshield that was at the bottom, as I began to accelerate faster down the road, slowly moved up was moving up my windshield. And I was watching it in the road, of course. So it was slowly moving up. But what intrigued me was the price it paid to move up the windshield. Because the price it paid was it had to leave a little bit of drop of water behind as it moved up. The movement cost it. The movement cost that little drop a little bit until it expended everything. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just began to stir my heart. See, we have to live in a world with God of abundance, of leftovers, that we have something to leave behind so that someone else, something else will be changed. Are we just so consumed with just i got to get today make sure I can't can't see past lunch instead of trusting and saying, you know what, God, I'm believing for abundance in my life. I'm believing for leftovers. Why? Not just so I'll have a bunch, but because I can leave something behind. That's abundance, and that's always what God's heart is. I want to bless you abundantly above, beyond, in every aspect of your life so that in your walk with me, you're leaving something behind. You're touching someone, you're helping someone, you're changing the world around you until our life is expended and we stand before Christ and you know what he says, well done, well done. I gave everything away, Jesus, I expended everything, all the abundance you gave me, I kept giving it away and giving it away and giving it away until I'm here and he says, that's it, well done. Now for the next twenty, hundred, million years, billion, whatever. You will be with me in paradise. Wow. Living in abundance means leaving something behind. Living in the God's leftovers. You need to believe for it. And that's what this message is all about. Come on, God. I'm believing. I, I know I need this. I know I'm here. I know I'm struggling with this. But God, I'm believing for greater abundance. God, with this aspect of my life, with this pain, with this sin, with this trouble, with this failure, with this weakness, whatever it is, God, I'm I'm believing for something so much more. And that's my message. Come on, believe for so much more. Believe for the abundance that God has. Don't allow that doubt to break the very pace that God has for you faster than you ever thought possible because he has. Father, in the name of Jesus, I love you so much. God, for everyone in the sound of my voice this morning, I pray with all of my heart that we would begin to understand what does it mean to live in the abundance of your leftovers, to live in the abundance of all that you're doing in my life. And God, we don't want to just survive this world. We don't want to just get to heaven with the skin of our teeth. We don't want to just go a little bit at a time. God, we want to accelerate we want to go faster with you. We want to believe greater with you. We want to go where, God, we've never thought we ever could and do things we never thought would be possible and believe for miracles even greater than we ever even imagined. God, I believe for that. believe for every single person. But God, somehow move in us and wipe away the spiritual dementia that causes us to Forget the very things you're doing in our life, the very goodness that you're doing in our life, God, and help us to be focused on all that you have, all that you're doing, because we believe. And according to our faith, it will be done. God, I believe for that. If there's any person in the sound of my voice, God is struggling, that doesn't know you, or is fallen away from you. God, I pray right now that your grace, your love and your mercy would show them the abundance, the overflowing grace that's more than enough for all for all of their failures and all of their sin. And so God, we join with them and we pray. Father, forgive us. Remove the sin from us. Create a new spirit within us. Don't remove me from your presence, but restore the joy of your salvation. Or bring it new for the very first time, the joy of your salvation in our lives. God, we love you for that. God, I thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Isn't God good? God is so good. God is so good.